Okay, we're back. We have a double header this week. Yeah. I was like, what are you going to talk about? I'm like, it's such a, I love this. It's exciting parshas. Tazria and Mitzraya we have. Tazria and Mitzraya. Okay? Starts from chapter 12. And it goes, they're both kind of... Why do we have double? Uh, it has to do with, um, it has to do with like, making sure that we finish all the Torah portions before we get to, uh, before we get to... So it has to do with Yantif and blah, blah, blah. So sometimes they combine them and sometimes they separate them. So Chavis, we had Shabbos Chalamite, so we didn't have a regular reading, which we had that whole argument about. Okay, so we have Tazriya Mitzraya. Before we pause, before we start Tazriya Mitzraya, I want to, for a second, we have to look back at uh, Shmini, which we did not do together. We're not going through the Parsha, because we clearly don't have enough time for that. But... <laughs> Shocking but true. Uh, but but Shmini Shmini ha- is 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 noteworthy um, uh, for in, in reference to our part. It's noteworthy for a lot of reasons, but in reference to our parsha, the last two aliyahs, maybe three aliyahs of Shmini, talk all about the kosher animals, kosher animals and non-kosher animals and symbols and which don't have symbols and lists of the animals. Okay, so now what's happening? If you take a look at Vayikra as the book, we're having. We're at the beginning. We started talking about carbonis, okay? Vayikra tzav. We started talking about carbonis. Shemini. We have the inauguration of the Mishkan, and then we have the start of the conversation of holiness within animal, the animal world. And what's going to happen now in Tazria and Matsaira is we're going to start working towards the holiness within the human, within the human world. Okay, so that's kind of why it's important to sort of segue. And then everybody's like, wait a second, why? Why do we have it like that? And, and the Chacham talk about the idea that we, that the Chumash in a way mirrors creation, right? Just like the world was created, the animals were created first, and the people were created last. So the same thing is going to happen here when we talk about the sanctity of animals and people. We're going to have that same sort of order going on. Um, and, and really, in similar to like we had in, in creation, you know, they give two reasons why were the people created last. On the one hand, the people should come, humankind should come into a set world, into a world that's ready to start doing Avedis Hashem. Okay, yalla, let's get started with this. And on the other hand, when we get a little bit too arrogant, we get too thing, like, hello, even the gnats were created before you, like these little tiny things that don't give anything out. They only take and they don't give, which is like this ultimate symbol of selfishness. You know, hello, you're not so special. Like, you came last. So really, and I think so much of the dichotomy of what we talk about in life has to do with us being able to handle those two spaces. Like, either we're in a place where we're able to utilize the world for Hashem, and then we're really acing what we're here for, and sometimes maybe we don't. <laughs> so Hashem will come and remind us, okay? So now here we have Tezria and Metzayra are going to start talking about lots of slightly gross um, bodily stuff. Has anybody had a chance to look at the bar sheets? Yeah. Okay, yeah. good, excellent. So we have, so we now we have like this. The first thing we're going to talk about in the parsha is sort of nor. Well, it's normal, whatever. It's not normal, but um, the first thing we're going to have is birth, birth, childbirth. The first thing we're going to talk about is what happens if a woman conceives and gives birth to a child. What happens if you give birth to a son? We talk about first of all, we're having, first of all, we're having the idea of a bris. On the eighth day is coming here. This is where we're going to get the, the laws of having uh, a bris on the eighth day. And then it talks about, it also talks about how long the woman after that birth 
is considered tamay. Now, the reason we're using tamay and not uh, an English translation like impure is because impure sounds like a judgment call. And we've talked about this before, and I'm going to continue to use those. Tamay is accessible to holiness. Uh, sorry, is inaccessible to holiness. And tahar is accessible to holiness. And that is not a judgment call. That is just a, a statement of fact. Either you can or you can't access holiness. Um, and so the, so the woman after childbirth is going to go through a period of time where she is inaccessible to holiness. In biblical terms, I meant she could not go to the base of She could not eat karbanas if she was... Um, in the beginning, she, she couldn't eat from Karbanis or she was from a, a family of Kohanim, whatever. Um, and, and then it's interesting and, and, and not particularly relevant today because we don't have a base mikdash, that there was a longer period of Tumah after the birth of a daughter than after the birth of a son. And talks about the, her, how she becomes Tahar afterwards and how does she come back to, to coming back to... Um, to Kedusha, meaning the place of coming to the base of Mikdash. This has nothing to do with her and her relationship with her husband. That's a different sort of situation going on. Um, the, and, and this parsha is also going to talk about Nida and Zava and, and, and missions from men, all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, but, but so this Tuma and Tahara here has nothing to do with her relationship with her husband. It has to do with her accessibility to the base of Mikdash. Okay? And then we're going to go... Um, in, uh, in, in Parakut Gimel, chapter 13, where Hashem is going to speak to Moshe and Aaron and is going to tell them, Adam And he's going to have these negat saras, v'huva el Aaron HaKayin, he's going to be brought to Aaron HaKayin, he's going to come, and we're going to start having this whole conversation, which is going to really take up most of our parsha and the next parsha of this situation called saras. Now, the Rambam is very clear to say that saras is not medical, okay? It is not leprosy. Um, and the best way, I think, to describe it is a physical manifestation of a spiritual disease, okay? Um, uh, and there's all kinds of, um, of versions of it. Um, all these, you know, like we think like back in, back in biblical days with all these, these colors that we're talking about, se'es, sopachos, beheres, they're all versions of white, um, is it white like egg white? Is it snow white? Is it like the plaster in the base? There's like the whole different, you know, how many, how many colors of white do we have today on a, on a color wheel? Like, right? A lot. So we know that it's, there is no such thing as one white. So there's different kinds of colors and you have to be, a person has to be very, very knowledgeable in all of those shades and what does it look like and how does it work and blah, blah, blah. Um, it's, it's a whole tire, it's a whole learning situation of, of, um, of going, uh, of, of how do we diagnose Saras. Now, we're not going to go through, thank you, but we're not going to go through every single version of Saras and how it happens. We're going to touch on a couple of things that are relevant or interesting that I think, and, and we'll, we'll see if this all works together. Okay, so the first thing that's very interesting is that this person is being brought to the Kohen, Okay. This is, this is not, um, again, if we're going to reinforce the fact, like the Rambam says, this is not a medical situation. We're with the Kohen. You know, he's not, it doesn't say Dr. Kohen so-and-so. It just says, bring him to the Kohen, bring him to Aaron or his sons. Um, interesting, fun fact, that if somebody who is a Mutsoro, which is the name for somebody who has Saras, wants to be seen by the Kohen Gadol, he could request that the Kohen Gadol has to come and see his Saras. 
and diagnose them and get it out. It's an interesting random fun fact. Okay, so the the Kohen has to has to diagnose this person. Okay, um, and and in the Gemara they have a whole conversation like what happens if there's a situation where the Kohen doesn't know. Like there's somebody who's like a super knowledgeable you know person in the community and they can they know what it all is. What if the Kohen is blind? What if the Kohen is a minor? What if the Kohen, like all these kind of situations. So the knowledgeable person, the Chacham, will say to the Kohen, say Tame, say Tahar. So the Chacham is the one who knows the diagnosis, but it's the Kohen who's actually giving the diagnosis. And it's a very interesting situation we're going to talk about. If I don't get to it, then make sure that I get back to it because I want to get back to that. But I want to just say one thing, just to, again, to, to, to sort of, um, reiterate the point of how this is not a physical, a physical situation. Um, the Gemara also talks about there are certain times where we don't see Nagaim. A Kohen will not look at somebody, a Naga is, is their, their afflictions, he, they will not look at them to see if they are a Mitzorah. Okay? They don't look during Shalash Rogolim. When people come to your Shalayim, Mitzorah is a person that's Saras. Um, uh, they, when Shalash Rogolim, they don't, they, don't they, don't, they don't look if a person is a Mitzorah. A Chassan or a Kala in the week of Shever Brachas, they don't look to see if they have Saras. Which means this is clearly not a medical thing. We're not like, we need to quarantine them because they're going to contaminate. If they were going to like make everybody sick, like clearly we would have, we're not going to say, well, you know, it's inconvenient timing, so we're not going to do that. So again, we're highlighting the fact that this is something very, it's a physical manifestation of a spiritual disease that's going on here. What, how, how does the Mitzvah get treated? Anybody know? Separation. 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 The, the, the Mitzvah gets, gets and, and there's a lot of conversation about this, in the, in the times that the Jews were in the desert, it talks about how he had to go out of all three machamot. That means, for sure, the three camps. The fir, for sure, you can't come to the Mishkan. Like, obviously. Anybody who has any kind of Tumah can't come to the Mishkan. Can't come to the Mishkan, right? But he can't come to Machana Levia. He can't come to the camps where the Levites live. He can't go to where the Israelites live. In the desert, he was out of everything, okay? There's a conversation with him where he was still in the clouds or out of the clouds, but there's like... He was out, he or she was out of everything, and not only was he out of everything, he was by himself, with no Wi-Fi and no phone. Okay? I mean, that would kind of defeat the purpose. Okay, I'm not talking about the anachronism of it. I'm just saying, the, the point of the, point of the, the, point of the, of the, of the separation is to prove again that this is not a physical thing. This is a spiritual thing. And how do we find out how do we ever deal with what our spiritual issue is, we have to quiet the chatter. And if we think about it as only as a 2023 thing, it's not true. Clearly, back in, in, the, in the desert, they had to have this space where they were able to sit in isolation. And what were you going to do if you are going to sit in isolation? You were going to think and you were going to try to figure out what's going on and what did I do wrong and where did I go wrong and where did I... You know, where I and what and so what happens is that the Kohen who says that we sit there's a couple of situations. Somebody comes to the Kohen and they say, What do you think of this? Um, you know, this little thing growing on my, you know, hand. Um, and the Kohen's like, not sure. So the person goes into isolation for a week, and then after a week, the Kohen goes out to the isolation place, checks it, and says, Did it spread? 
Did it hold? Did it get worse? Like, what's going on with it? He might then say, okay, you have Taras, and then you start the process of purification. Or he might say, another week of isolation, and then we're going to check it again. Rav Steindl has a very, very fascinating um, essay on this, and he talks about the idea that... Um, he talks about the idea that one of the interesting phenomena... I don't know what's going Sports on. Here. Hmm? I'm pretty oh. sure I just saw the um, <laughs> Okay, one Let, Let's stay focused a little bit. Uh, so, so one of the interesting things about um, one of the interesting things about uh, about Saras is that um, if somebody is, there's this patch of dead skin, dead looking skin, white skin, right? Um, and and if within that patch, live healthy skin forms, then for sure it's Saras. And we're like, huh? Why? why? If in, within the patch of it's healthy, shouldn't that be a sign of healing? And Rosteinsaltz talks about the idea that sometimes we take one step off the right path. Like, this is how we should be going. And we take a slight, not even a turn, but like a slight misstep. And then we have another slight misstep. And it's so slight, we don't even see it for ourselves, And our behavior changes. And we become lifeless. And we say, oh, we used to be people with a sense of humor. And we used to be people who could appreciate beauty. But now we have a relationship with Hashem. And therefore, we are very serious. And we are not funny anymore. Right? And then Rosh Hashanah says, when there's life within that, when you take that attitude as your source of life, nobody should have a sense of humor. Everybody should be super serious. Everybody should be very... When you take your issue, that it's really like a misstep, that had a misstep, that had a misstep, and all of a sudden you're in this place of, oops, I'm not alive anymore. Um, then, and then you, that becomes your like, you know, my source of vitality that's Mitzayur. That's for short Saras. That's when we're in a bad place where, and the, the place that it talks about, the, the Gemara uses the expression, a Mitzayur Chashiv Kameis. Mitzayur is like a dead person. And he says, and Rabbi Steinsel says, you have people who walk around, they look like they're alive, but they're already dead. They just happen to still be walking around. He says, that is a Mitzayur. And today we have people, Zoro Steinsel says, I, I couldn't say it if he didn't say it. Um, there are some people who walk around and they are living and breathing and doing stuff, even having a relationship with Hashem, but inside they're so not alive and that has an effect actually on everything. And what is the, what is the solution? How do we come to understand, how do we come to a place of healing when we give ourselves the space to think about where we went wrong and what happened and if we're honest with ourselves. And sometimes when you don't have any Wi-Fi, you could be honest with yourself. I'd say, wait a second. We could trace back and say, that's where things were like good. Things were on a good path. And here, what happened between that and that? And how did I get to here where I am? Um, so that's, so that's, and we're going to, and there's one more point that I'm going to bring at the end. And if I don't, please remind me again. Okay. So I want to say one thing about the code because I'm going to forget if I don't say it. And, um, and the question that we say, we ask is why does, 
the Kohen, why is it the Kohen who designates? Let's say we talked about the situation. You have a city, you have a Chacham who knows what to do, and you have a Kohen who doesn't. And the Chacham tells the Kohen what to say. It's like he's like a, he's like a, a ventriloquist, like what's going on over here? And we know that, that the Kohanim have a special mitzvah that whatever the Avaita that they do, they have to do with love. The bracha that a Kohen says when he blesses the people is Asher Hashem, thanking him for endowing them with the Kedusha, the holiness that Aaron has. And he commanded us, They were given a commandment to bless the people, the Jewish people, with love. There is no other mitzvah that we have to do with love. And it actually has, what? That's what they say in Birkas When they make the bracha. Yeah. That's the bracha that they make, exactly. Um, and what, and, um, and it, in halacha, a Kohen who does not love the people in his community or who is not liked by the people of his community is not allowed to get up and bless them. Oh. It's not just like, oh, it's a nice thing. If the community hates you, you can't come into Shul Duchen. If you hate all the people in your Shul, don't get up in Duchen. You don't have the right. If you can't do it with Ava, you can't do it. So, so the Torah is telling us, who is going to be so, 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 so careful before they say to another Jew, you really need to leave everything, everyone, everything, sit by yourself. Who's able to do that? And we trust that they're going to do it from a place of love, only a Kohen, where he's called an Isha Chesed. And not only is he going to be able to send him out, but he's going to actually fight to make sure he can come back, he or she can come back in when their time is up. It's, you know, it's easy for us sometimes to just like knock people off. Like, okay, we don't have to do that, we don't have to do that. A Kohen is one who's like, not only to say to this person, you need such extreme healing that this is what we're going to do, we're going to send you so far, but at the same time, that's, that Kohen is going to also fight to make sure that we are, uh, that we bring this person back in. And what's so, so powerful, if you, you know, because Saras is often mistranslated as leprosy. And we know that in back in the days when there was a leper, they were totally excommunicated from, mm-hmm. nobody wanted to, they would maybe throw them some food, they were tor- sent from city, like they, they, till they had leper colonies, but there was like, they were not welcome in the community. And what are we saying here to somebody who has Saras? Who's the first person that has to reach out to them? Kohen, exactly. The high, a person who has a person of stature in the community who's going to go and say, this person is still a valuable member of society. We just have to figure out how to get it, how to make it work. And that, if we talk about a lesson that we could walk away from Saras, because thank God we don't get Saras anymore because, and we'll talk about that, why we don't get Saras anymore, but we don't get Saras. But are we in a position, and we all are in a position, to look out for somebody who's in a weaker place of society, a weaker space in society, and say we can be their friend, we can help include them, because if we don't, it, every single person who sort of turns their back on them only makes it worse for the person. And I think like we all have that ability to be that kohen, to be able to step up to the plate and say, I'm gonna notice, I'm gonna care, even if it's something as simple as. We walk through the shuk. There are certain people that we try to avoid their eyes. So we don't make eye contact with them. We're just saying, I'm just saying. It's like maybe a reality here. Um, and, and can we even give somebody a smile when we really just want to avoid them because it's going to cost us a shekel as well and maybe some, whatever. Can we do that? Can we, can we be, be that coin? And that, that's one of the things I want us to think about for a second. Um, 
there's another interesting thing that we have in these parshias, um, and it, it, in the in, in the parsha of Tezria we have one ver. Well, basically, what happens in Tezria we have like a lot of conversation about the saras and all the versions of saras. And then in Mitzorah we start hearing about the purification process. And at the end of Parshas Mitzorah we start talking about um, if somebody wants to help me find it, because of course I'm never going to find it. Um, Oh, here it is. I found it. Woo-hoo. Okay, look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Okay. Um, uh, it's in chapter 14. <clears throat> chapter 14, verse 33 and 34. And, it's, and Hashem says to Moshe that when you come to the land of Canaan, that I'm going to give you for, as an inheritance, and I'm going to put a negatzeras beves eres achuzasen. There's going to be a saras on your house. Now, one of the things that we talked about in the last week, in the last partial, which we didn't mention in class yet, is saras can come not only on a person but also on their clothing. And here at the end of the Torah, we hear that you could get you could get saras on your house, okay, on your house, okay. And then they would go and they would say to the to the kohen, kanega kanega I think there's something there, right? And what they would do is that they would empty out the whole house because if the house is, if the house gets um, designated as that being terrace on the walls of the house, everything in the house becomes tummy. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to become tummy. So that means some of the things we know can be kashered and can be reused and some of the stuff, once they become tummy, will never be able to be used again. So once he has a suspicion, they're going to call the Kohen, the first thing to do is going to empty the house. Um, parenthetically, we know... If I ask you, why does a person get saras, what does everybody know? Lashanara. From Lashanara. So the, one of the most, ma- the most famous things, the reason that we get saras is from Lashanara. The Gemara actually has a list of like eight or nine different reasons that a person would get saras. Lashanara somehow made it to the top of the list that we all you know, kind of resonate with us. Um, but being stingy and not sharing and, and all different kinds of things that... So what happens like, okay, we, we have to empty our house. And I was like, oh, you didn't have... Uh, you didn't have those chairs to lend me when I needed, you know, oh, ten chairs, you know. But all that, all their stuff is out of the street. Like, oh, that's interesting. That was that was pretty cool. Animals do not get stressed. No, animals do not get stressed. Um, Where's this list? It's in the Gemara. Okay. The Gemara has it. Um, I'll try to find you the list. I was looking. I found it as a, as a footnote someplace, but so it's from the Gemara. Um, um, so so Rashi says, okay, take a look over here. Rashi Pasuk Lamadal, 34, that I'm going to put this nega teras. So, Hashem's giving them this, this notice that they're going to be getting these, these, uh, these plagues, these afflictions, whatever. Okay, why? Because the Amorites who lived in the land of Canaan, hid treasures in the walls of the houses, okay? And the four, all four years, and so the house has to get sort of taken apart because of this nega, and, um, and then they find the treasures. Whoa, that's amazing, right? And there's a whole, now, so, so, so Hasidus has a very interesting situation, a, a, a discussion of that, about this, right? The Jews are coming into Eretz Yisrael, 
all the houses that they're going to move into, the pre-made houses, have all been owned by idol worshippers, Liminehim, all versions of pagans and whoever was living in the houses, right? The people left and they moved into the houses. That means that in those houses, there were things that were done that were not holy and not, you know, godly, our version of godly, right? Most of the houses, all it took was a Jew to move into the house, maybe put up a mezuzah, eat kosher, light jobs, candles, and that unholiness gets transformed to holiness. But some houses, it wasn't all the houses, but there was a considerable number of houses, but not all of them, that wasn't enough. That sort of bringing that light into a dark space was not enough to make that transition. And what happens? The houses themselves got saras, and the person's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. This is terrible. We just moved in, and we just finished hanging up all the pictures, and now we have to take it down. And how do you, what do you have to do? You have to take out the stones that have saras, a house made of stones, and you have to take them out, and you have to like replace them and wait. There's a whole, it's a whole polygon situation going on here. This is not so easy. But Hashem is saying, Rashi is saying that there were treasures hidden in those houses. And when they opened up those stones and when they took apart the stones, and in some cases they had to actually dismantle the whole house, depending on how, what it looked like. That to dismantle the whole house, they found treasures. And Hasidus says, isn't that say, the same thing is true of our lives? That there are times in our lives that we are in a space that is, you know, maybe not 100% godly, but us coming in and being godly and doing mitzvahs is enough to transform it. And sometimes we're in a situation where it's really not. It's really a deeper situation and we have to do more work. It isn't just enough to come in and shine a little light and everything's going to be fine. Sometimes we have to do a little bit more excavation. And when we do that excavation and it's hard work and it's not so much fun, not only did the Emirates hide, hide treasures in, our, in the houses of the walls, but in our lives when we're in a situation where it takes so much effort to come to a place of holiness again. When we look back, we'll say, oh, there were treasures in those walls. There was something in that experience. I'm not saying that when we go through it, we're going to enjoy it. I'm not saying that. Do not quote me as saying that. that I, will, I, will not, I will say that you're not saying the truth. Um, but there was something in that experience when we're honest with ourselves and enough time has passed that we could look at it with clear eyes and not you know, blurried with tears. Uh, that we will say we gained from that experience. And what we got was real gold that came from that experience. So my first bracha to all of us is that we should have easy transitions as we move into places of holiness. But in a, when we're in a place where we have to struggle a little bit, we should also have the bracha of being able to see how that is, in fact, a source of great treasure for us mm-hmm. in, our, in our lives. Okay, that was two things that I wanted to say. Next thing I want to say. Okay, then I want to say something else. Um... The way the way the Chumash writes it, it talks about uh, taras on a person, taras on clothing, and then at the end taras on a house. In actuality, and besides the first generation of Jews who came into the who came into Israel and they had taras and they got treasures, but in otherwise, what would happen was there would be a situation where there would the it would, taras would show up first on the walls of a house, okay, and they would empty the house and they would call the Kohen and do the whole shebang situation, right? But what was the question and what was the message of the taras on the walls of the house? Warning. It's a warning. Something in this house is a little funky. Something in this house is not holy. 
Something in this house is not as it should be. Now, what's the, you know, the house is very, you know, encompasses a lot of people. So we have that ability to still fool ourselves and say, not my issue. There's a lot of people who live in this house. It's not my issue. And so we go through the whole process with the house. We get the house to her again, and then it moves on to my sweater, my, my wool sweater, my leather jacket. And I still have the ability to fool myself because you borrowed my sweater. It wasn't me. This is your issue. I don't have an issue. I don't have anything to take care of. I'm fine. I'm great. I'm awesome. You have the issue. And then we deal with the clothing and we deal with the, the tahara. The, and sometimes the clothing has to be destroyed. And, and we still don't hear that message until it actually shows up on our skin. And then we're like, what? I can't believe it. How? What did I do? And then we start the process of real introspection and really, you know, trying to figure out what it is. If at any stage along that process, we accepted responsibility for what was going on and we're like, I mean, we don't have to make public announcements and proclamations, but if like, if something showed up on the house, and I'm not talking about mold in the bathroom, that's what I'm talking about, right? Um, In biblical times, if you had saras in the house and you're like, I got to stop kidding myself. That benign behavior is clearly not so benign. Um, and, and if at any point we took responsibility, then it would stop the tsaras in its tracks and it would actually not get to the place where the house would have to be taken apart, the stones would have to be taken apart. It would, it would sort of go back into itself and the calling would come back and say, no, it is not tsaras, it's gone away and it's going to be, and it'll all be fine. And I think that, um, and I've said this before, but I think that our ability to fool ourselves is infinitely great. And, and I want to give us a bracha that we be honest with ourselves. We don't have to be honest on social media for everybody to hear. But I want us to give, I want to give us a bracha uh, that we be honest with ourselves. And I'm gonna, you know, tonight and t- the next two days, tonight and tomorrow on Friday night and Shabbos is Rosh Chaydish. And it's Rosh Chaydish Iyar. And the acronym of Rosh Chayd of Iyar is Ani Hashem Rofecha, I am Hashem who heals. But in order for us to be able to be healed, the first thing that we need to do is to acknowledge that there's a problem. And if we can't acknowledge that there's a problem, then it never is going to get better. It just, that's just the reality. We, we just keep doing whatever it is that we're convinced isn't the cause of our problems and say, I can't imagine. Why, do, why does this keep happening to me? Why do I keep meeting these, the same creepy, you know, I go on, on dates with the same bad people. I, I, I'm still angry at my mother. I'm still, all these things. If I didn't do the work, if I didn't acknowledge the issue and do the work, it is not going away. So I want to give us a bracha as we're s- sort of transitioning into the month of Iyar, Ani Hashem Rofecha, that we should be in this place of, of, um, of healing. We should be able to step into the place of healing. The first place of healing is by acknowledging that there is something that we need to heal from and that is and then once we do that and then it should be easy from there. You know, from there it should be easy. If you know because right now we're finishing in sphere, we just finished the week of Gavura. So that was like about our boundaries and our, you know, understanding that and we're still it's still the day of the last of Malchus of Gavura. 
and now we're going to move into Tiferes, and Tiferes makes things beautiful, and we should be able to see things beautifully, we should be able to look at ourselves beautifully, and look at the world around us as beautiful, and be able to do our healing in a place that's so, so, so beautiful, because that's where the month is starting. So that, that's, that's, that's a bracha that I want to give everybody, all of us, uh, for now and for always. And I want to finish with one last thing, because I mentioned how come we don't get Saras today, which we could be all very happy and say, thank you, God, that we don't get Saras today. But if you go back to chapter 13, where it talks about Adam Kiyeba where a person has on their skin, on the, on the flesh of their skin, they have these all different kinds of lesions, whatever, whatever. So the Altar asks, why does it use the expression Adam? Why does it use the expression Adam? A man, right? And we don't say man versus woman. We know that there are many different words to describe humanity. And Adam is, is one of them, yes, but on the scale, top to bottom, where does Adam fit? It's the lowest. Give me another guess. <laughs> it's the highest. Adam is the highest. Adama Elion, right? Adama Elion. I'm Okay. <laughs> so Adama Elion. So the person, so we have somebody. And we're like, whoa! A Elyon, a person who is so a refined person to such a degree, you get saras? What is that? What's up with that? What does that even mean? Right? So the reason that we don't get saras today is because oh, should I say should I just be blunt? Yeah. Yes. We're not so Adamalelian. <laughs> We are, we, we are trying to live our best version, but I'm going to blame it on all the static that is around us that's making it so hard for us to live the values and the life that, we, that are so 100% in sync with Hashem. And what happens to the person, this, this person who gets saras, their whole insides are, are perfect. They're, they're, everything is perfect, but on their skin, on the outside, there's something not perfect. And, and what's interesting, the, the person who gets saras is almost the, the antithesis of all of us. Because most people, and maybe not, not you, but definitely me, the, the, the thing that would bother us the most is if people would know where we fail. Right? We're, if we do it in our heart, if we do it in our, the privacy of our home, and we don't get caught, we're okay with that. But that we should in public look less than perfect, we're not so happy with that. And so sometimes we put up an external facade and inside we're not actually, we're not actually what we look like on the outside because we just don't want to get caught. The person who gets saras doesn't care what you think. They are the least concerned about public opinion. They know that inside, they've got it all. They're good. They're all lined up. They're all aligned. They got all their stuff together. You know, nothing's hitting no fans. And everything's, everything's good. Okay, so this is, this is something minor. It's irrelevant. Doesn't matter what it looks like to other people. And Hashem comes and says, but I care. I care what it looks like to the other person. You don't care. There's something that's so minute that on somebody else, it wouldn't even be noticed. But because you are in such a perfect place, you can't hold that slight bit of imperfection. Um, I, I, I was looking for a gift for babies, and I did something terrible. 
I bought these little baby outfits that were sparkly white. <laughs> I didn't have to wash it. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I was like, right? It's such a mean thing to do. I know it wasn't for my kids. It was for my grandchildren. I bought gifts. Sparkly white. Sparkly white. It's not forgiving. I mean, it washes great, by the way. White, throw it in hot water with bleach, and it'll all get clean. That's fine. Pre-wash it. Don't dry it. Then you're good to go. Okay? In case anybody who I bought the gift for hears this class. So, but, but, but <laughs> oops. Right? White is very, very unforgiving. So the person who is totally white and has a little bit of something, it shows. We wear mushy clothes, like nothing shows, and I'm not just talking about our clothes, I'm talking about our behavior. We're like sort of like this cholent of stuff. Maybe not actual cholent, because that would be gross, but like, whatever, you know, we have a little bit of good, a little bit of so this, it doesn't show so much. Um, but I want to give us a bracha that we strive not to, ha- not to be a mitzorah, God forbid, but to strive to say, am I doing this the best that I can? Because a mitzorah is so perfect, except for something, something. And, and, and if we could borrow a little bit of that confidence of the mitzorah, not to care about what the world says about us, if we are okay, if we know that we're doing the right thing, if we know that we're on the right path, um, and to, to sort of line up our behavior from what we know to be true and from what we know we want to do and not be so concerned with what the world is saying. And if we could learn that from the Mitzorah, I think we will all be in a very good, good space. So I want to give us a bracha. Like I said, we're going into ER. Ani Hashem Rofecha. This is a time for us to do healing, healing with compassion, healing with beauty, healing with grace, um, and healing with honesty, to be able to look at ourselves and say, just like the Mitzorah is like, this is not an issue. This, you know, this is two yuds. Two yuds. Two yuds. Um, this is not an issue. This is, this is, uh, it's, it's irrelevant. And Hashem's like, no, but you could get better. And you could do, you could do it a little bit, a little bit better. And I want to show you, because it says, in the that a nega, a plague, is spelt nun gimel ayin. Okay, but if you switch the letters around, you get oneg, you get pleasure. And if we can rearrange the things that are hurting us and are plaguing us, that's the place that is ultimately going to give us the greatest source of pleasure. And I don't mean like, I mean in a real sense of pleasure. Like how do we really say this is meaningful, this is beautiful, this is special? It's only when we take that which bothers us and switch it around so that we could have it be Hashem-led. So I want to give us a bracha that we have the ability to do it. Mm-hmm. That we, 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 we take the time, we take the space, we get our headphones out of our, out of our ears and have some quiet. We don't have to be a Mitzayra to give ourselves quiet space. The weather's getting beautiful. Find a quiet space in Gansakra. You will not find quiet space over Yomatsmoto Yomazikaron, but you will find it other times. Find a quiet space. Think. You want a journal? You don't want a journal? Give yourself the space to give yourself the quiet to be honest with yourself. Have an awesome rest of the day and a great job. I said a chodesh Thank you.